My name is Cameron Milne and you're listening to Silent Studios, the podcast that gives an insight into the creative methods behind musicians, producers and audio engineers alike and how these original techniques are applied to a project of their own. Art vs. Science is an ARIA award-winning electronic dance band based in Sydney. Band member Jim Finn walks us through the band's writing techniques and shares some insight into this trio's energetic creativity. My name's Jim Finn and I play in the band called Art vs. Science. And that's versus, not verse, because verse is a part of a song. Versus is the constant battle between art and science. But let's not get picky. I play keyboards and sing. Dan Mack plays keyboards and sings, and he also plays guitar. And then Dan Williams plays the drums and sings a bit as well. We all sort of sing and shout at different points in in all different songs. Although Art vs. Science is very much a live band driven by melodies and books, finding a catchy vocal thread seems to be a high priority when starting a new track. I think it would probably fit somewhere in the realm of psychedelic electronic dance rock because it's still live, no backing tracks. It seems that our best songs have come from the same style of writing, which is come up with the vocal melody or hook first and then build the song around that, though most of our songs don't come up that way, but the best ones seem to fit that. Because we're a live band and we just love getting in a room together and setting up our amps and the drums and jamming, I think when we do that, the song's never as good as if we build like a groove or a riff for a vocal. I think if you make the vocal good and that's what you come up with first, then you build the music to support that rather than like if there's a big slamming riff and a dance groove, sometimes you've got to be like, stop the vocals, just let the groove do its thing. There's a lot of lessons we've been learning over the last few years. And funnily enough, we haven't really learned them until the last year. So that's why it's taking so long to write all the new stuff because we're going, ah, oh, that's what we're going to do. Oh, that's what we're going to do. Oh, we had it right before. You idiot. You're Fired! I'm fired! We're all fired! Everybody out! Like most bands, Art vs. Science draw from a broad inspiration palette. Childhood memories or even something less tangible can spark their creativity. They come from all over the place. Some songs come from a place that you don't really feel like you're writing the song, that you've just kind of heard it. And I think I've heard a lot of different artists say this, that they, they sort of receive the song and then they just have to be the vessel through which it comes. And I kind of feel like that sometimes with our stuff. I think, like, things from our childhood always leak through, like, we all grew up playing Nintendo and video games, and I think lots of our melodies have, like, this Japanese video game sort of feel to them, just because I think when you grow up playing video games, that all just sort of seeps into your mind and it sits in your subconscious and rolls around, and then you're like, why are all my melodies like a Japanese anime cartoon? You're like, oh, because I played Nintendo for, like, (laughs) ten hours a day. When we started the band, we just kind of had the keyboards from our childhood lying around and we'd been in a rock band all together before. So we had a Mezzaboogie stack and a Marshall stack. So we had these big gnarly guitar amps and then shitty keyboards and that combination worked really well. I had this keyboard from when I was like eight as a kid. It's just like this Yamaha like thing with like 99 presets, but you plug that into a Mezzaboogie triple rectifier and you crank up the gain and suddenly a sound that's like... Dang. goes Dang. Dan Williams our drummer his uncle sadly died I think in like 2007 and he left him this keyboard and this keyboard is probably the thing that started up with the science Dan Mack plugged that into his Marshall suddenly these nice organ sounds with a bit of Marshall distortion were really like Dang. like the chords on that were like wow that sounds awesome and that with like a gnarly bass and then some drums it's like there's there's a band 
playing live and channeling some of the world's biggest dance acts. Hard versus science built a little energetic pocket all for themselves. And we sort of started out trying to do a thing a bit like Justice and Daft Punk, but just with live instruments. And because of the instruments, they didn't sound anything like Daft Punk or Justice. We were just playing that sort of style. And so it sounded like a new thing. And it was just a lucky, <laughs> lucky chance, I guess, that that happened. Magic Fountain was the first single off the trio's second EP by the same name. It was released on the 14th of July 2010 and reached number nine on Triple J's Hottest 100 that year. Magic Fountain, an oldie but a goodie, I like to think. So Magic Fountain, yeah, that had the old family keyboard going through the Mesa Boogie, which was a 06, for those of you playing at home, was the sound. It's a, a clave and it went through a, there's this um, effect called a, uh, we've got the, we have like six of them. They're such great effect pedals. They're called frost waves. They're these blue filter effects. And I think it emulates like the filter section of an MS-2000, but it's like a separate unit and you plug an input and output and the power. Those combined with our amps and this, this keyboard that Dan's uncle gave him and that all sort of combined together with just the live drums was where it all sort of boomed from, I guess. The drums are leasing. Having access to creative friends allowed the boys free reign when projecting Magic Fountain's energy to the screen. The film clip is pretty intense. It was done by our good friend Bass, who did our very first film clip for Palais Vue Francais. He's our mate and we've known him for years and years. We knew him before in the band and he just, like, when when he hears these weird songs we come up with, he's like, oh, man, i got a great idea. There's going to be, like, this old guy and he makes this jacket and the jacket's, like, this covered in speakers and he, like, blows away, like, people and, like, steals their youth and we're like, whoa, that's intense and awesome. Yeah, make it happen. I've actually got that jacket in my garage at home. My mum, because it's in, like, this big garbage bag, all the bits together, and my mum was about to sort of take it out to the rubbish. She's like, this thing. You, you don't want this, do you? Is this rubbish? I was like, no, don't rip that out. That's a magic fountain jacket. I guess maybe we should put it on and wear it at a festival sometime. It comes as no surprise that the original seed for Magic Fountain was born whilst listening to a dreamy set by another popular Australian band known for their innovative style. It all actually started when we were watching Empire of the Sun at Parklife in 2009. We had played earlier in the day and we were watching the show and it was this crazy weird spectacle and we were all just a bit blown away. We're like, I think someone said that it's like looking at a magic fountain or something and then we're like, ha ah. Yeah, and you can sing like, oh, magic, 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 magic fountain. We're like, ha, 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 all cheersing our beers. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. We're like, ha, ha, we should make a song out of that. Ha, ha, yes, yes, sure we should. And then like later we all sing it again. We're like, oh, that's cool. And then I think we sort of forgot about it for six months. And then I think it sort of came up in our common psyche again. We sort of caught ourselves singing it. We're like, oh, we should make a song about that. Like, that's pretty weird. I do remember at, the, at Park Life we had, in the beginning, we had that start, which we all agreed was a pretty cool way to start a song. Yeah, I think Dan and Dan wrote the verses together and then they showed me. I was like, dude, that's awesome. That's such a wacky, cool, weird story. I love it. The first thing that sort of came about, Dan Mack came up with a riff. The riff he had sort of started playing was the whole tone scale, which, for those of us playing at home, is a nice sort of dreamy scale. And 
And so he sort of felt that that was the right space for a magic fountain to exist in and he sort of came up with the riff of the... And so we all sort of jammed along we were sort of playing the, with the drums and everything and down doubling on the key. We were doing that for ages and I think there was some sort of feeling we're like, oh, it's not quite right. It's not sort of pounding enough. It's not sort of swelling and hitting hard enough. And then because of these, um, these filter effects we have, we were sort of playing around with them and you can, there's like a low pass frequency. And then we started sort of doing that sort of thing. And Dan was, I think we, Dan, Dan Williams and I had gone to sort of get a beer or a coffee or something in the room next door and Dan started sort of going. Like just doing these sorts of things. We were like, whoa, come. And we like dropped our stuff. Like we came back and we're like, dude, that's it. That's it. That's what we're going to do. That sounds sick. Staying true to their live performance and processing effects on stage in real time is a must. Basically, it's sort of emulating what a sidechain compressor would do. We've got these pedals that we use with our feet that plug into the frost wave, that filter section, so now I don't have to sort of... I don't have to wind that, um, that effect with my hand. I can put it to a point and then do it with my foot. Anyway, lots of great noises you can make, and that's just coming straight from the effect itself. So it can self-resonate, which is pretty awesome, and we use that a lot in songs when we're sort of doing a build. We'll just sort of be playing something. And then drop into something. So it's just a really cool little tool to use live and play with. The vocoder has been used by lots of people in the past. I mean, it's, it just sounds cool because you've got to make a really weird voice when you do the low magic fountain thing. Actually, I'll have the mic near so you can hear. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Magic fountain. Magic fountain. You can probably hear, like, you've got to get really gruff on the voice to really make it gnarly coming through the vocoder. Magic fountain. <laughs> but then you can get it nice and nice and sweet when you do the... But then the, the hard thing was we sort of wrote that vocoder bit, the nice melodic one, in the studio and overdubbed it. But then when it came time to sort of perform it live, I was like, okay, great, I've got to learn how to use my right foot to make the filter affect the riff that I'm playing with my left hand and at the same time I have to use my right hand to play the vocoder melody while singing that through the vocoder. I was like, great, let's let's never write the song in this way again <laughs> where we have so many different things happening and you've got to use your coordination. <laughs> Anytime that like we're in the room jamming together and I've got to do some coordination thing like that or learn it, like that took like an hour to be able to figure out how to do those together of just going like and then like the other two were just staring and laughing. They made the exact same face when I had to learn the, to coordinate singing uh, for, um, we have another song called Create Destroy. find it hard to translate their live performance energy to their albums. Art versus Science have nailed that stage of their process and have even learned that minor imperfections can make for a perfect track. 
When we record, we usually the situation is that we'll all be in a room together. I think that's what gets like the best vibe. Amps in maybe separate rooms, but the drums in where we all are together, and then we'll just all play live to tape, and we record it onto big old 24-track tape, dump that into Pro Tools. Well, we recorded it at a place called Blackfoot Studios in St. Peter's, just near Newtown, with um, uh, Simon Berkelman, or Burkfinger as he's known. He plays in the Philadelphia Grand Jury. He used to work at BJB. Now he's got his own studio in Marrickville, Golden Retriever Studios. Uh, and that's where we've been recording lately, and he's got his tape machine, and he's got his big uh, analog mixing desk, and he's got all this great analog gear. It's just exciting getting to see the needles dance and manipulate things there and like lay it down. You're like, well, that's how we recorded it, and that was the vibe in the room even if there's a tiny mistake it's like but that take was way vibe, more vibing than the others so keep that mistake in there it makes it sound good keep listening kids the music is coming thank you for listening to Silent Studios I'm Cameron Mill for more information on this artist or any of the artists featured on Silent Studios please visit silentstudios.com.au magic, magic, magic.